Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. So if you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me over to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to continue looking at our Christmas list this year. Uh, you may have been singing, he's making a list, and he's checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, and we know that uh, there are lots of lists at Christmas time, and in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at some prioritizing of a list that we actually see before the first Christmas morning at what God was doing and what He was speaking. Last week, though, we took a look at, at the top of our list. We know that what we see in the nativity, the arrival, the first advent, the birth of Christ, that our job is to make sure that we are others-centered, focusing on those that are the less fortunate. We saw that with um, some of the outcasts that we actually see that came to actually lay eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so then we began asking the question, what are our priorities during this Christmas season? What is your priority? What is at the top of your Christmas list? We know that this time of year it's just natural for us that a lot of our priorities come in boxes. A lot of our priorities sit with great anticipation under a tree where we can't wait for the receiver to open. We can't, rate, we can't wait to, to receive the gifts and open that gift and see what is inside of it. We can't wait to give gifts and to see the faces on other people. And so we know that sometimes our priorities in the Christmas season shift from what we might think they are throughout the rest of the year. There's actually a movie that was redone a few years ago. I watched the cartoon of this. It's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And there's a little girl in this movie called Cindy Lou Who. And Cindy Lou Who throughout the movie is really wrestling with what is the purpose of Christmas. And she sees here in the town that she lives, everybody's focused on the perfection. Everything's got to be just perfect. The bows can't be crooked. The ornaments have to be hung just perfectly. The stockings have to be just perfect. All of the lights have to be in the right place. Everybody is thinking about the gifts. And everybody is so wrapped up in the Christmas season. And Cindy Lou Who is the one that's asking the question, what is the purpose of Christmas? What is the purpose of Christmas? And I want to start this morning with a clip from the movie. We're not going to wait for the youth to watch a movie on Friday night. They'll have a good time in here on Friday night, but we can watch a movie in here on Sunday morning, right? It's only a minute and a half, though, so if you want an hour and a half one, you have to come on Friday night. I just want to show you a short clip, though, from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, when Cindy Lou Who is encountering the Grinch who's fed up with the perfection, who's fed up with all the ornaments, who's fed up with the joy and the cheer, and he's fed up with everything that's going on, and the Grinch is going around, and he's taking all of the Christmas ornaments. But Cindy Lou Who got up in the middle of the night, and she encountered the Grinch in this clip. 
He cleaned out that icebox as quick as a flash. Why that Grinch? He even took their last can of hoo hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch. I stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree, and he started to shove, when he heard a small sound, like the coo of a dove. Excuse me. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny hoo daughter, who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. Santa Claus, what are you doing with our tree? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little dot. The fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. <laughs> I'll fix it up there, and I'll bring it back here. Santa, what's Christmas really about? Vengeance! Er, I mean... Presents, I suppose. Hmm. I was afraid of that. Did you catch what she said? Chris, Santa, Santa Claus, what is Christmas all about? The, Vinch yells, the, Vinch, the Grinch yells vengeance, and then he says, well, presence, I suppose. Because vengeance was what the Grinch wanted, but presence is what all of Whoville wanted. And I'll tell you, if we would be honest with ourselves, we're really not a lot different. Not a lot different from little Cindy Lou Who. We're caught up with the world around us that gets so excited about a holiday season. And there's the list that they have put together. And there's all of this stuff that the world says should be at the top of our list. And we're just asking the question, what is Christmas really about? And the world shouts the answer back to us. And we're just like Cindy Lou. Well, I was actually afraid of that. Not a lot of difference that we see in our world today. But, but, when we walk in relationship with Christ, then we allow the Lord to dictate the season instead of the world to define the season and the priorities that are at the top of our list. Now, that's not just true for the Christmas season. That's for every other season in our lives the nativity, though, shows us that even people that we read about in the Scripture had priorities that they thought were important. But at the launch, just before the arrival of the king, God had different plans. In Matthew chapter 1, we actually see how this is playing out as God is dealing with Joseph. Joseph had his priorities, Joseph had his list of what was actually going to happen after he found out that Mary was going to have a baby and the baby wasn't his and they were actually engaged. Joseph had his priorities. 
Joseph had his list. Joseph knew how he was going to handle the situation, but God showed up and changed Joseph's priorities. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, watch this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The angel shows up and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name of Jesus. You see, what Joseph had in mind before God changed his priority is to accomplish the top of his list. And at the top of Joseph's, at the top of Joseph's list, on preparing for this first Christmas morning, the first advent of Jesus Christ, was that he was going to put away Mary quietly. He was going to protect his own reputation. He was going to do everything he could to protect the reputation of the one that he was actually engaged to. His top priority was looking out for his reputation so that he would be able to operate in society and not be an outcast, looking after Mary's reputation so she too would not be an outcast. But instead, God showed up God spoke to Joseph, and through being obedient, Joseph said, God, I am going to change my priorities. God, I am going to change the top of my list of things that I am actually going to accomplish. And so what we see happen, and there's a huge change that takes place after the angel proclaimed what God's priorities were, that Joseph took those priorities and made those priorities to be the top of his list. Now listen, this was a social nightmare for Joseph. This was not going to go well for Joseph and Mary. Because anyone that became pregnant at this time, some 2,000 or so years ago, were actually considered outcasts. They were unclean, and they did not want to have any fellowship. They had to be put, aw- they had to be put away and quietly dealt with. And so Joseph received a change of priorities. And despite what was going to happen to him, despite how others would view him, and despite all of the whispers, and despite those who used to be his friends that are no longer friends with him, Joseph said, I don't care about my priorities any longer because the birth of Christ, the birth of the Messiah, I am going to allow to change my priorities because I have heard from God. I wonder, I wonder what it would look like for us as a church to operate as Joseph did some 2,000 or so years ago 
whenever he allowed the birth of Christ to change his priorities, to turn his world upside down, and then to walk forward in the freedom despite the serious damage that would be done to Mary's reputation and to his reputation. God's priority that he spoke to Joseph was more important to Joseph than any of Joseph's priorities. Before the first Christmas, God spoke and Joseph reordered his priorities. I wonder if maybe some 2,000 years, 2000 years of Christmases later on, that we would operate as Joseph did. And sit with the Lord and say, God, what are your priorities for my life today? What are your priorities for me? What are your priorities for my family? What are your priorities for my children? What are your priorities for me in my job? What are your priorities for me and my friends around me? Despite what the world may do to me, and despite the whispers, and despite what others may say, God, what are your priorities? And let me crucify my priorities and receive the gift of your priorities so that I may operate in those things first above all things. Listen, it is easy to follow society's lead. We get caught, despite how strong we are in our relationship with Christ, sometimes we get caught up in the world's priorities and society's priorities with the list that we are handed this time of year where we have to be here, we have to buy this, we have to do this, and Christmas has to look like this, and this is how we have to operate, these are the things we do, these are the steps that we need to take. It's easy for us to get caught up in the hum-ho this time of year for Christmas. But Christmas is not about our list. Christmas is first about receiving a list of priorities from God and then allowing those priorities to be enacted and pursuing those things for all of our life. We must first listen for God's priorities. So I ask you, have you done the work of sitting with the Lord and saying, God, what are your priorities for me? What are your priorities in these areas of my life? Have you sat with the Lord and heard from him and then moved forward of saying, God, I know that this is your priority for my life. Because if you don't do that, there will always be an attack from the enemy to the things that you're doing in your life. If you have not resolved with certainty God's priorities in your life, the enemy will always bring in doubt. Oh, you think that we're so strong of Christians that we are exempt from that? Well, think of what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. They actually walked and talked with God in the garden. God was with them in the garden. They knew God's priority. They had conversation with God about his priorities in their life. And then the enemy came. And you know what the enemy did? He caused doubt about God's priorities in Adam and Eve's lives. They were with God and still struggled with God's priorities. We're some 6,000 or so years after that. God doesn't walk with us in the way that he walked with Adam and Eve. God wasn't there. God isn't here physically with us any longer. But instead, he's given us his Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and speaks to us and infills us to make us actually become the temple of Almighty God. 
And if Adam and Eve, who were in the garden, that the enemy caused doubt about God's priorities in their life, then what the enemy does to us is he always causes doubt about God's priorities in our lives. And so we have to make certain that we are listening to the Holy Spirit, that we are receiving God's priorities for our life, and then only moving forward in the certainty of God's list of priorities for every single one of us. And, and you know what? This is what the world is wrestling with. This is what the world has always wrestled with. We can see it that's written about over and over and over. That people are searching to fill a void inside of their life. They reach out for this and make it a priority in their life. It doesn't fill that void. So they reach out for this and they try to fill the void in their life with that priority. When those priorities don't work, they quickly cast them aside and move on to the next thing. And then there's the next thing. And then there's the next thing. And then there's the next thing. But those things never fill the void. It is only pursuing God's priorities for your life and walking in relationship with Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit's infilling and guiding us and directing us that we will ever have holes filled in our lives. Billy Joel, when he was asked why it was that he abused drugs, he mumbled these words, man, there's this emptiness inside and we're all searching for something, aren't we? Science fiction writer Robert Heinlein said this, it's like searching in a dark cellar at midnight for a black cat that really isn't there. That's how he defined life. Singer Jimmy Bufflett was a little bit more optimistic when he said this, searching is only half the fun. Life is much more manageable when thought of as a scavenger hunt. Songwriter Annie DeFranco had a little bit more of a sense of humor when she said this, I'm searching, as we all are, for a way to feel good about myself. And looking in the mirror, I found, just doesn't do it. You see, we're all searching for something. And I propose to you today that until we sacrifice our list of priorities and replace it with the list of God's priorities, we will always be searching and always be left unfulfilled. And had Joseph enacted his list of priorities that we read about in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph too would have been unfulfilled, but instead he heard from God changed his priorities, and then moved forward and operated in that way. Look at verse 25. Look at the miracle that's taking place despite the struggles and obstacles in Joseph's life. In verse 25, I'm sorry, in verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Joseph did what God told him to do. This is a priority change that must take place in every single one of our lives. Joseph woke up, he processed the word of the Lord, and he moved forward in that. He said, yes, this is what God has spoken to me. This is not only the secret to Christmas, but this is the secret to all of life. Listen to God, be obedient. Hear from, the word, hear from the word of the Lord and then operate in that. Take God's priorities and then do that. But how is it that Joseph knew what to do? How is it 
that he was certain of what God had spoken to him. Imagine the chaos that was around him. Imagine the wrestling that he had to take place, that had to take place inside of him as he woke up knowing that he had heard from God and this new list of priorities that God had given him would cause so much confusion and chaos in his life. I wish that we had some more commentary in the scripture between verse 23 and then verse 24 when the word of God had spoken from the angel and then Joseph moved forward and operated in. I wish that we had had words actually from Joseph of what it was like for Joseph thinking about this and wondering how are my friends going to receive me? How is the town around me? What are my families actually going to think? How am I actually going to tell my mom and dad? How am I going to have conversation with Mary's parents? What is this going to look like for us? How are we going to be able to operate in this world knowing that they are looking at us with what, we, what they view as an Ill, illegitimate child. But Joseph cast all of that aside in receiving a new list of priorities from the Lord. He said, I don't care about any of that. All I care about is being obedient to God's priorities. Joseph realigned his, prior, Joseph realigned his life to God's priorities because he heard from God. Whitechapel Church, this has to be the people who we are. This has to be who we are. We have to hear from God and then realign our priorities. We have to hear directly from his throne and then operate as he has told us to operate. We cannot be a cookie-cutter people. We cannot be cookie-cutter individuals. We cannot be a cookie-cutter church. We have to be the church that God has dreamed for us and only the church that God has actually dreamed of. Look at verse 19. Look at what's, what's taking place here. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. We see Joseph's intentions in verse 19 are pure. Because he was a righteous man, Matthew tells us. It didn't say that Joseph wanted to cause ill will to Mary. He didn't say that Joseph wanted to save face, which I'm sure that was a part of it. It said Joseph wanted to do what was right. And you know, we can try to do what's right and still be wrong. That, that's what verse 19 is telling us. In the first Christmas story... Joseph wanted to do what was right. And if we do what we think is right, and it's not God's priority, then we're walking in sin. And sin separates us from God. And that is why we have to make certain that we follow the pattern that Joseph did before the first Christmas morning. We hear from God and then we change our list of priorities. We receive God's word, and then we walk forward in that which God has spoken to us. So think of what was happening finally after Joseph started off on this new change of priorities. Joseph receives from God. He's like, okay, I have to take Mary as, as my, um, as my uh, wife. We're going to move forward in this. We're going to make certain that we do what God has told us to do. And then they launch out on this journey as husband and wife, 
Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah and King of Kings, would soon be born some few months later. Inside Mary, the Holy Spirit was doing the work of of intertwining um, tendons and muscles and DNA and putting everything together so that in a few months, the arrival of the most awaited birth in all of the world would soon come to pass. So then they launch out on this journey. They're pursuing God's priorities. And then a tax is announced. They have to go back to their home. They have to be taxed to Joseph's home. And they have to be taxed. They go back to their original reason. They launch out on this. They're finally getting there. And all of the town, all of the community, at the top of their priority list is the tax, is the census that's actually going to be taking place. Everybody is consumed with the decree that has gone out. And we see that because when Joseph and Mary finally get there, there are no rooms. It wasn't like they could go on Travelocity.com and book a room ahead of time. It certainly wasn't like that they could pick up the phone and Southwestern Bell or whatever the Bell company is right now, I think it's AT&T right now, could just automatically direct them and there was going to be a room that was actually reserved for them. No, Joseph and Mary actually arrived. And at the top of the priority for everybody else was the census and the tax. But you know what? Joseph and Mary weren't operating with the community's list of priorities. They were operating with God's list of priorities. And while it certainly wasn't the way that a first-time mother and father would have planned it, It was exactly how God wanted it to be planned. The town was consumed in the census and the tax. That was their priority. But God's priority was fulfillment of the prophecy that had been given several hundred years ago. The priority of God was for Joseph and Mary to arrive in the town that had been prophesied about. To bring forth the king of kings so that he would be born in the lowliest of places, giving us a pattern to make certain that our priorities are not like our town or community's priorities, but instead our priorities in relationship with Christ are his priorities. So this should cause us to reflect. This should point us to this reversal of values that we actually see in Jesus being born in the lowliest of places. This would cause us to step back from the priorities that we see in boxes and in lights and silver and gold and glitter and the festivities of the season. Those things are not bad, but they cannot be above the priorities that God actually has for us. From the moment of his birth, Jesus operates outside the realm of worldly priorities. Jesus gave us the pattern. Jesus set the example. It was true in Joseph and Mary pursuing God's priorities, and it was true in Jesus pursuing God's priorities from the moment of his birth. So how is it? We have to ask ourselves this question, and we have to wrestle with this. How is it? That in this world that is consumed with secular priorities, how is it that we change our priorities in the way that we actually see this taking place in Joseph's lives in Matthew chapter 1? I want to give you a scripture from the book of Revelation. 
These are Jesus' words. If you have a red letter edition Bible where Jesus' words are in red, these are red. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now listen, this is not about eating with Jesus. This is not about sitting down and having a meal with Jesus. This is about the very beginning of what Jesus said. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, the way that you begin to take God's priorities as your own is to live out the invitation of Jesus in Revelation 3.20. This is not something that is going to take place in the future. I say to you that this is something that is taking place right now. This is something that we are actually living out. Jesus was saying to John, I want you to write this down because this is how I'm going to operate with my people. He was writing to the seven churches. And so John was saying, Jesus wants to minister to the churches, and he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he says, if you hear my voice, if you hear my voice and open the door, then I'm going to come in and we are going to have fellowship together. Hear me, Whitechapel Church. The way that you change your priorities is to respond to the voice of God and to have fellowship with Him. We can never overcome the secular priorities and the list of this world without responding to the voice of God. That is a pattern that leads us to religiosity. And that's what Joseph was dealing with in Matthew 1.19 when the scripture says Joseph was a righteous man and he wanted to put away Mary and do it the right way. But God said, I want you to have fellowship with me, Joseph. I want you to hear my voice and I want you to change your priorities and not get caught up in the religiosity of what you should be doing. But instead, I want you to change your priorities and pursue what I want for your life and Mary's life so that I can fulfill the centuries-old prophecy. Listen to me, church. Without the ability to hear God, we will always miss His priorities. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if you hear my voice and you let me in, if you open the door, I will have fellowship with you. Your spirit has been born again and purchased by God who came and wrapped himself up in the flesh so that you would be able to hear and respond to the voice of God in the way that he wanted it to happen when sin destroyed that relationship in Genesis chapter 3. God came to be with us so that as we crucify our priorities and we adopt his priorities, we can be the people that God desires for us to be. So my charge to you this Christmas is this, that you would keep your ears tuned to what God is saying to you, because this is how we exchange our priorities for his priorities. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and if you let me in, if you respond, if your spirit that has been washed and made new, deemed un, uh, you have been deemed unjudged for your sin because they have been removed away from you because of the blood of Jesus. 
If you respond to my voice, Jesus said, and let me in, then as we, as we walk in his holiness, and then as we reflect him, we'll begin to see our priorities disappear. And we'll begin to walk in his priorities. You see, Joseph was consecrated to God. Here, when God spoke these words to him, he consecrated his life to God. And he said, I'm not going to live life the way that I think I'm supposed to live it anymore. I'm going to live life the way that God wants me to live life. Joseph, in this moment, said, I'm not going to pursue selfish lists and selfish priorities. I'm going to set all of that aside and live a life that is surrendered to God. We have to allow God to change our priorities this Christmas. And it all begins by spending time with Him. So how are you spending time in this busy Christmas season with Him? Is there time during your day that you can sit with the Lord and open His Word and grab a piece of paper or a journal or something where you can say, God, here I am today. I'm going to dive into your word, and I know that through your word you're going to speak to me, and then you're going to lead me and guide me, not just through your word, but by the infilling of your Holy Spirit that's right here with me. In this busy Christmas season, is there a few moments each day that you could carve out and set aside, making them holy, if you will, for God Almighty, that it's just you and it's just Him? Maybe it's you've got to get up just a few minutes earlier in the morning, despite maybe some of us not wanting to do that. Maybe that's the only time that we can get to spend time with God, to hear Him knocking at our heart's door, so that we can then exchange our priorities and say, God, this is what my priority list was. Will you now give me yours? I want to have fellowship with you and take your priorities and make them my priorities this year. Maybe it's Throughout the day, you've got some time at lunchtime, on a lunch break, or maybe it's before you go home at the end of the day, or maybe it's when you're at home. It's just you and the Lord, and it's you and Him sitting there, and you responding to the knock on your heart's door and saying, Jesus, would you please come in? Could we please spend time together, and let's talk about the priorities that I actually have here on my agenda. Maybe it's late in the evening. Before you're tired and before you've checked out for that day, whatever it looks like for you, this has to become a pattern in every one of our lives so that we exchange our priorities and not operate out of selfishness, but instead operate with his priorities leading the charge in our life. We must live lives surrendered to Jesus where he hacks our priorities and exchanges them with him. I wish that we had more in the scripture about Joseph because I'm certain that there were hard times and I'm certain that there were snickers from some people who probably used to be his friends. I'm certain that there were people that wanted absolutely nothing to do with Mary and Joseph because of what they had gotten themselves into by living out God's priorities. We can expect the same in our lives. We can expect people who used to be our friends, who really weren't our friends, and they want to be a part of our lives because of the selfishness of being a priority in our life. 
We'll find bosses that are that way. We'll find neighbors that are that way. We'll find family members that are that way. And we have to be okay being snickered about. We have to be okay being laughed at. We have to be okay being the outcast because we're not going to live the world's priorities. We're not going to allow society to define priorities for us any longer. But instead, we are going to be so different in taking God's priorities, in responding to the knock at the door, and walking forward in that only. So my charge to you again this Christmas is to keep your ears tuned to what God is saying to you. Keep your ears tuned to what God is saying to you. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. Are you going to leave him knocking? Are you going to be content leaving him outside? Are you going to allow him to come in and have fellowship with you so that you can have conversation with him about your priorities? Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.